Welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news and analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Jules Boyle, and today I'm joined by the man who can make a feature of even the weakest of puns, Gaby Mackay, and our very own Patter VR monitor, Adam Miller. How you doing? Hello. On the pod today, we're going to be having a look at the new face at Celtic and what kind of team Neil Lennon's planning to assemble, the Thornesha gambling sponsorship in football, and we'll have a run through the latest transfer stories as well as another instalment in Gaby's games. Okay, first up, after a slow start to the transfer window, Celtic brought in another new player today. Um, Left-back Bolly Bolongoli has arrived for Rapid Vienna and he looks to be a wee bit of a unit. Um, they've already brought in Christopher Julian, who stands at 6'5", which is the same height as Christopher Ayer as well. Um, that's the makings of what looks like a really hefty back line. Um, obviously, they're desperate for a right-back, but looking at that, you kind of expect to be looking for another big lad, you think? Uh, clearly, uh, Lennon's focusing on having a, a physically strong back line at the moment um, I, th- I think as you said they'll be looking for a right back as well but definitely they've brought in some kind of imposing figures in there um, and I think certainly they're not going to get pushed about next season Yeah I think it's quite interesting uh, if you look back at the sort of lineage it's like it almost goes back to Lennon obviously worked uh, under Martin O'Neill for much of his career and we all know Martin O'Neill loved a big centre back so you can kind of look back and you can have like when you had Bobo Baldi being an obvious one but you know Mialbe, Valharan, those big centre backs Lennon when he became a manager he had okay Ambrose wasn't that tall but Ed Van Dyke who obviously a supremely skillful defender but also a big unit and then he's obviously come come in for this season he obviously wants to make his own changes I think you can see again he wants big big units again at the back you know Julian's obviously very tall Ayer is a bit in the Van Dyke mode I, I'm not saying he's as good yet but he's a, a same thing you know he's a tall but skillful defender and obviously they've got the new guy who I'll have to ask Adam to pronounce because he's absolutely mastered it Volleyball and Golly and Bumble that's the one boom yeah, he's come in. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen too much of him, but he certainly looks like an imposing physical presence. He's obviously a guy who, uh, I think by his own uh, declaration, likes to get forward and likes to attack, but he also looks like a guy who can who can mix it. So we can probably expect a huge right-back to be arriving any day now. I would think so. I would think so. I mean, obviously, I mean, your, your, your new man's a no stranger to a yellow card. Um, he's, he seems to be quite a guy that's up for getting in amongst it, um, which is obviously... You know, it's not putting Lennon off in any way. Do you know what I mean? It looks like he's definitely going for me. But as you say, that Anil sort of team, a physical team, and we're Celtic sort of crying out for this sort of thing. Is that something that he's looked at and thought this is where we could be, they could be improved by being a tougher team, being more harder at the back, being more of a sort of aggressive side? It certainly could be. I think you'd probably take the view that you probably can't play Brendan Rodgers football as well as Brendan Rodgers got the team to play it if you're Neil Lennon. You know, maybe if you're Pep Guardiola, but if you're Neil Lennon, he obviously likes a different style and there was no sort of, you know, last season, obviously, they won the treble treble again. Lennon got the line in the league, won in the Scottish Cup, but it was a very sort of, you know, reheated soup kind of thing, wasn't it? They weren't that impressive. It was sort of half Lennon, half Rodgers. Yeah, they got over the line, but they weren't hugely impressive. And I think this is more him trying to transition away from that Rogers sort of pass and move style to more of a direct, by which I don't mean long ball, but sort of direct, physical, get it down the wings, you know, really get at teams. I think he's trying to move to more that kind of style. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I mean, Lennon said from day one that he came in, he wasn't going to change too much because it was Rogers' team, Rogers' tactics. And obviously, if he did change it and it went wrong, you know, that a bit forever, do you know what I mean? It was like he had this winning thing and he, and he ruined it. So obviously now he's got his own plans, as Gaby's saying. I mean, Adam, what do you think, where, where, where do you think he's going to be taking this? Lennon? Yeah. Uh, well, I think he obviously wants to stamp his own authority on it. I think, uh, as Gaby alluded to, I think last season, Celtic's performances left a lot to be desired at times. They did enough, 
but uh, I think there's going to be a demand from fans this season to see if not you know Lennon's style isn't necessarily the most attractive but to see a kind of more commanding performance from the side because there were games towards the end of last season nil-nil draws that were quite underwhelming I think uh, fans if Lennon's not going to be the sort of keep the ball on the deck type guy they'll at least want to see the team really imposing themselves on op- opposition and uh, you know playing with a bit of swagger yeah definitely absolutely okay well moving on um we were sat in the office today and the subject of gambling came up not that we're all mad gamblers there's some folk like a bet and some that don't as much um and but in particular what it was it was sort of a gambling sporting a sponsorship at sporting events now it's something uh, i know adam you've discussed in your old firm facts columns more than once um and it is one that sort of tends to polarize opinions um now to be clear nobody here's advocating banning gambling or any sort of parent culture or anything like that at all um but i think it is something kind of worthy of discussion yeah, I think there's something uh, kind of queasy about football's relationship with gambling at the moment. Um, I think if you watched, say if you sat in an armchair and watched a game, uh, a televised game, then you are just bombarded with gambling advertising. And as several studies have told us, uh, gambling is one of the gambling addiction is one of the leading causes of mental health issues in modern society, and that's become more and more prevalent as we've seen things like uh, fixed odds, uh, fixed odds betting terminals, which have been described as like a poison on society. Um, so you watch a you watch an average game, and you've got a gambling firm sponsoring the program, a gambling firm sponsoring the tournament. There's gambling hoardings all around the pitch. There might be in the stadium, there might be a gambling kiosk. Um, You're getting updates on your phone saying, stick a cheeky line on whatever here. Then it's cutting to the ad break and it's Ray Winston talking about, you know, come on, lads, be a lad, be a proper lad. And it's just this sort of feeling that, you know, if you're not gambling, then you're somehow not properly partaking in the match day experience. And it's turned what is a very, very dangerous addiction into just a completely normalised part of the matchday experience. Um, and I, th- I feel like, of course, people, uh, some people have, and plenty of people have, enough willpower to go, you know what, I-, I can stick on a fiver every Saturday and it's not an issue for me, it's completely fine. And a lot of people are like that, it's the same way a lot of people can go, I'm having two pints tonight and go home. But a lot of people, for whatever reason, they have that sort of addictive personality, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, whether it's gambling, whatever. Uh, and I feel like football's relationship with that is quite dangerous in the sort of normalisation of it. And you see, like, with these sort of fixed odds betting terminals or whatever they're called, you see, like, if you lived in, a, in an affluent area, you'd have to search far and wide to find the bookies. But if you lived in a less affluent area where the most vulnerable members of society are these people are being preyed upon by bookie after bookie after bookie. And so for football to be so constantly enthralled to that, uh, I, I don't know, it just never sits right with me. And I completely understand the financial imperative because these guys pay well. Um, so whether it's in terms of uh, the advertising hoardings at the game or your TV show or your tournament, obviously these guys are paying well and there might be without them there might be teams who wouldn't be able to survive or certainly wouldn't be able to thrive without that advertising. And that is uh, that's a really, really difficult situation to get around. 
but I just feel like the constant bombardment of it just never sits right with me. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Gaby, obviously, as an issue, Adam touched on it there. Gambling sponsorship, it does see where the where the money is in advertising at the moment. It seems to they, they sponsor all the football events, I say sponsor programmes, sponsor newspapers, sponsor TV shows. It seems to be absolutely rife and it's all over the place. Obviously, without it, um, there would be a serious issue for a lot of organisations and things like that. But, I mean, is it as much a problem uh, in sporting events as... Well, I think we, you know, even within our own industry, I think all of us have probably been to interviews with players, uh, coaches, whatever, these sort of roundtable things which are put on by bookies to promote things. So I don't think for a second, and I'm not for a second saying that Adam was, but, you know, we can't really be high and mighty about these things because, uh, you know, if you work in the industry we do, you can't really uh, get away from that that uh, aspect of, you know, the gambling sponsorship. Now, I'm one of the people, you know, I, I like a bet. I'll, you know, I put on a fiver at a time, you know, maybe have a bet on a Champions League game, put a, put a cup coupon on at the weekend. And there's plenty of people that can do that. So, as we've said, it's not a question of banning gambling or even banning gambling being involved in football. I think it's the, the saturation of it. I think yeah. you always, as society, you kind of have to walk as fast as your slowest member if you know what I mean like there are people who really really struggle with gambling which is much easier to do nowadays you know uh, if you look at the way the regulations work a bookie has no uh, they're not forced in any way to if someone's gambling too much to exclude them you have to self-exclude yourself you can undo that which for an addict is just something that's that's never going to work you even look within football you look at Joey Barton he spoke about being addicted to gambling. He got a ban for it. Uh, it was uh, Ross Barber, who was at Kilmarnock, wrote a thing a couple of months ago for like the Players Union magazine, speaking about when you know when he was a young man, got his first professional contract. He was gambling really, really heavily, and it was only when I think uh, Chris Boyd and the manager basically took him aside. So even you know within the game, within the people who ostensibly I guess are profiting from this, you know it it, uh, it can affect them. Uh, yeah, I think it's a really difficult one because, again, you un- you understand that these people have to make money, but when you have, I think, all the major competitions in Scotland, apart from, of course, the notable exception of the Tunnock's Caramel Wafer <laughs> Cup or whatever it's called now, but they're all sponsored by... Which is an addiction that we can all get behind. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, We're not saying ban Tunnock's here, folks. No, no. Uh, we just say regulate the Tunnock's Regulate industry. the Tunnock's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes, the multi-packs, I don't like. They're like the yeah. fixed-odd fixed, fixed odd gambling <laughs> machines of the confectionery world. It's those big big packets of six, uh, <laughs> six tea cakes. Um, no, but I think, like Adam says, when you have that kind of saturation of anything like that, you know, like gambling, I mean, it's like you only have to look back at... I'm old enough to remember, I'm sure you both are, in Formula One where every car used to be have cigarette yeah. branding yeah. on it. You know, Ferrari always had Marlboro on it, whatever. And eventually they got rid of that because they were like, well, cigarettes are harmful. Now, people should be allowed to smoke if they want to smoke. It's a free society. Everyone should be allowed to do that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we should be pushing on people all the time, like mm-hmm. like used to happen. And I think that's the only, it's the only thing with the, the football uh, argument, the sponsorship, that, again, watch... Uh, like Adam says, I mean, I, I don't want to go over old ground what Adam says, but, you know, how many gambling adverts are you going to see for every firm at halftime in a football match? And as Adam says, the competition will be sponsored by it. The programme will have a little sting about gambling. You know, you might get, you'll get odds flashing up in real time, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's all yeah. guys as well. When you watch these adverts, um, it's all, it's not, they're not bland adverts. They're, I mean, often they're really annoying adverts, but they're memorable adverts. They're, and they're, they're all guys that are, 
trying to tell you it's oh, come on be a lad and all this kind of thing like the uh, thing out the in-betweeners or whoever you know yeah. like it's Ray all Winston like and, yeah yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's, so it's, i'd like to, i'd like to see pat nevin do a sort of fey indie gambling <laughs> advert <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're watching. You're watching it, and these people are basically saying, "People like you should be into gambling because yeah. that's just part of it." You and know, if, and, and if you're you not, you're a pods. Exactly, <laughs> and it's like you should be doing it unthinkingly. And yeah. I remember, like last summer with the World Cup, um, I'm someone who's been in a bookies maybe two or three times in his life. It's just I'm just not really into it. And uh, I, I went to, uh, I was watching pretty much every game that I could last year at the World Cup. I was doing. Uh, I was doing TV reviews of uh, I was doing reviews of the TV coverage on a nightly basis, and although you know my main focus there is you know I'm listening to what the commentators are saying, there's also you're watching a game and you know if it's a brilliant game, fantastic, but if it's a kind of dull game with two teams that aren't expected to qualify from the groups, you're looking for something to get your you know to get yourself interested in that game, and I was a couple of times I was sticking money on like one of these uh, bookies websites, and it. As someone who hadn't done that before, I couldn't believe how easy it was to do. And it didn't feel like I was spending money. And I, I really, and I don't believe that I've got a particularly addictive personality. I was doing that for maybe three or four days last summer. And I was like, I need to knock this on the head. It was so, I was losing money that, for no reason on games that I couldn't care less about. And I, I just thought, this is so easy to do. And it's so, particularly if, as Gaby mentioned earlier, you're talking about Joy Barton and various other footballers, guys who are given loads of disposable income and loads and loads of free time. And these guys that'll do a few hours of training a day and then are just kind of sat by themselves without necessarily the best people to advise them. And they're sat maybe in a hotel room or in a big house or whatever and they're just chucking money away uh, online and they don't even realise that they're doing it. It doesn't feel real until suddenly it is real and you've got a problem and you've not got money and that can be have a knock-on effect on people's mental health and all sorts of issues. Yeah. Although I have to say, to be fair, I won an absolute fortune on the World Cup because I had, <laughs> I had I had Croatia each way to win it and they got to the final. So. <laughs> well, there's that. There just to go. present the other side of the yes, argument. Exactly. Well, that's it. I mean, obviously, the other side of the argument is there. You know, probably. I mean, there's, as you say, there are all these studies done on it. The majority of people who gamble don't have problems with it. That yeah. that, that is the issue. Yeah. Um, the bulk of people are fine with it. Same with alcohol. Same way with cigarettes. Suppose a different sort of thing. But I say alcohol is an example. Most people drink. Most people don't get completely mad with it. A be mental, hurt themselves or other people, anything like that. Gambling's kind of the same. But there is this amount of people, this percentage of people, and they do have it in their face. They can't get away from it, and it is an issue. But then, you know, people would say, obviously people in the gambling industry, but obviously other punters and regular people would say, you know, that is an issue. You, you can't be punishing um, everyone else for for uh, this this side of it. Uh, but is there an issue, sorry, is there an issue where you shouldn't really be putting it so out there, though, and associating it with sport rather than... Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I, don't, I, I don't think any of us are advocating punishing people for it. None of us are saying ban gambling. I'm not saying that for a second. Or even saying ban gambling being involved in football. I don't no. think anyone's saying that either. No, I'm, 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 not, I'm not saying that either. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't believe that it's practical to ban gambling from football. As I said earlier, the amount of money it brings into the game. Um, it's one of the many kind of slightly uneasy alliances that f- that football has to, has to have, whether that be alcohol... Uh, alcohol sponsors on the the kits, uh, getting sponsored, getting McDonald's hoardings at the side of the games or whatever. These are none of these things are healthy and none of them are sending positive messages. But without them, uh, 
tournaments and clubs would uh, many of them be in a difficult position so I, told, I understand that completely um, I just feel it with the complete saturation of it and this idea that you know it's just part and parcel of the match day experience and oh, how come you haven't stuck on a line today that kind of that kind of mentality I think that's quite dangerous yeah definitely I mean Gabe just like I close up on it I mean what, what, what do you think the solution is to this is it you know, you know just take down the level of sponsorship or yeah, I think so. I think just just don't uh, have it so oversaturated. Uh, have better oversight of these companies who who do it. These huge multinational corporations. Now, again, no one's advocating banning gambling because you know what? if you did, people would still gamble, and you know who'd make the money? Gangsters and organised crime and Seems whatever. Last time. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just the sheer volume of it. Which, when there are people out there who are vulnerable to these things, and it's yep. not a tiny section of society, it's not the majority. Again. Look, I gamble you know, semi-regularly, like during the season, probably the weekend and maybe if there's a midweek game on, I gamble. But there are people who cannot gamble responsibly and healthily and I don't think just having adverts say at the end, be gamble aware, is enough. Gamble responsibly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, moving on. Um, just to be a quick roundup of the transfer stories. There's not been a huge amount of action. Um, we've already covered the Celtic one. Um, first and foremost, obviously, um, Juventus uh, goalkeeper Lorento Brunescu has uh, moved to Kelly. Um, G- Gaby, has a resident Kelly pie? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> well, it's always nice to see Kamarnock signing a player from Juventus. It's not a sentence you hear very often. Now, admittedly, he's never actually played for Juventus. He's just been on the books for, for several years and been sent out on loan to Lithuania and various lower league Italian teams. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad player. I mean, if he couldn't get in the Juventus team ahead of Gigi Buffon, I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> a knock on him. Uh, Daniel Bachman was at Kelly last year. He had a similar story. He was at Watford. He got loaned out to a lot of places without a great amount of success. And I think he was certainly the second half of the season when he came into the team, was one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Uh, Branescu, if that's how you pronounce his name, it's almost certainly not. Actually, no Romanian guy, I'll have to ask him. Anyway, um, he looks like a big sort of imposing figure uh, in the way that Jamie McDonald isn't. Jamie McDonald's a great shot stopper, but he's not the most commanding. He's sort of prone to a rick. So, yeah, I can't say I know a huge amount about him, but Kelly's a player from Juventus. I'll take that every day. That's a gaby happy day, isn't it? Uh, Adam, obviously, moving, moving uh, slightly away from Kilmarnock here, uh, Aberdeen have also brought your man Wilson in. Um, is he the latest sort of Aberdeen striker signing that's possibly a guy who's not going to score much? Yeah, I, I think you could tell from the reaction from Aberdeen fans on social media there's a very positive uh, response to him coming back to the club. I think uh, I, I think he's going to be... I, I think it's a sort of statement of a intent from Derek McInnes I think as we talked about the other day on the podcast Aberdeen um, will see, still would probably see themselves as the third force in Scottish football and with Kilmarnock having secured third last season I think uh, the objective really for Derek McInnes is to at least finish third this season and that's certainly a good start in terms of going about that Definitely, that's what he's after. Okay, well, we're going to close up, but before we do, we have, as promised, another instalment of Gaby's Games, and we hand you over to the man himself eh, for his own particular brand of nonsense. Yep, we've got some more nonsense today. It's almost like we're low on content. Um, <laughs> so earlier, I saw that uh, Ross County player Armstrong had to be sent home from the training camp because in a, what in a freak accident, which maybe means somebody nutted him, I don't know, he's broken his jaw or his cheekbone, or... Anyway, he's been sent back. So what I've done is I've got a list here of some football injuries that players have suffered, which either did happen or I made up. 
So I'll give you three each. As always, it's not necessarily three true, three false. You'll get three each. And I did do a tiebreaker this time because Jules dug me out about that yesterday. Well, it might have came in handy if I didn't actually rattle Johnny. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read you out basically some players and injuries and you tell me whether or not it's these are true or false, whether or not they really happen, basically. So I'll start with you, Jules. I'm going to go with Ivano Bonetti, we may remember from Engine Dundee. He once got an injury and was out for games because his manager threw a plate of chicken wings off his head and fractured his cheekbone. <laughs> um, I'd love that to be true. Um, I smell gaby lies, though. No, that one's true. Damn. So Adam, Damn. who's got a poor record in these games, he does. he's got a chance. Day. He's got a chance to take an early lead. So Adam, did Ronaldinho once miss a game having pulled his groin after a vigorous lovemaking session? I'm gonna say yes. It, like now, I <laughs> that it probably has happened, but I couldn't find any evidence of it. So we've got to go with false. Did, on you, that did one. you actually look for evidence in that? Because I think you may be getting a wee call for HR. If that was the <laughs> That's why the internet went down. <laughs> It's a little office joke. <laughs> the listeners don't know the internet went no, down, but never mind. It went down. Okay, Jules, yep. this, oh. in, this is not one injury. This is various Milan players who picked up injuries by being stabbed with cutlery by Reno Gattuso. <laughs> I'm, ha- I'm happy to be wrong here. Very, very happy to be wrong. I'm saying that's a lie. No, that's also true. I'm happy with that. As revealed in Andrea Pirlo's autobiography, uh, apparently in the mid-noughties, if Milan's head of player was out with muscular fatigue, what had actually happened was Gattuso had stabbed him with a fork. This happened more than once. It happened regularly enough that there was a code for it. It wasn't just (laughs) a code for it. It wasn't just one incident where he went to Tonto in the canteen, no. (laughs) No, no, apparently there was uh, enough. So, Adam, big name here, big name. Rio Ferdinand. Hmm. Strained his knee ligaments after putting his feet up on a coffee table for too long. This is true. Oh, he knows that. It's yeah. absolutely true. <laughs> okay, okay, that's one nil to Adam. Yep. Okay, Jules, to level things up here. Svein Gronaldin missed a Norway v Finland game after being run over by a moose. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is absolutely true. That's one each. <laughs> yes. So, Adam... This is the this D90 is the, playoff all over again. This is, this, defeat from the this, this, is for, this is for the winner, or we go to the tie break. George Cadet, or Georgie Cadetti of Celtic, uh, missed a game because he'd burned his face with a hairdryer. True or false? Um, I'm going to say false. It's false. I made that up. Adam wins 2-1. Oh. Last minute winner. Do you want to hear the tiebreaker anyway? Since I've written it. Okay, so either of you can just jump in on this. So, this is an A, B, or C. What ended Michael Stensgaard's Liverpool career? He was a goalkeeper, if that helps. A, he dislocated his shoulder while collapsing an ironing board. B, his wedding ring caught in a fence and ripped his finger off. Or C, he burned his nether regions while heating up some baby formula. Ironing board. Ironing board is correct. Uh, Although B and C have happened to players. C happened to Kevin Kyle. And (laughs) B happened to a player whose name I can't remember, but he jumped up on a fence to celebrate a goal and his finger got ripped off because his wedding ring got caught there. I've done that. I didn't rip the finger off, but it was very sore. Hmm. So So on that finger ripping note, Jules. (laughs) Thanks very much. Well, that's all for us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily work commute a wee bit more bearable. You can get us more from us at the Football Scotland website, on our social media channels on Facebook and on Twitter at football underscore Scott. 
to ask a question or make a comment to us individually, um, make a suggestion to us, or just be deeply unpleasant for any reason <laughs> you want, uh, you can get me on at Captain underscore Howdy, Gaby on at Gaby Mackay, and Adam on at Old Firm Facts 1. Cheers for listening, see you tomorrow.